Hello and welcome to the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast from London's Queen's Club, where last year we had a new name on the trophy. Can Lopez just keep it into check? Trying to win a sixth career title. Hick picks up, forehand kicks, got back well. Chilich goes wide! It is Lopez's! At 35 years of age, Lopez has come back and won the London Grass Court Championship, one of the most traditional events on the ATP Tour, and he's won it to the delight of his parents who've just flown in. What a contest! And at roughly the same time in Halle, a far more familiar name was putting the engravers to work. This for the title, for Federer again. Serves out wide, the return comes back, the backhand volley's perfect! Roger Federer, champion in Halle once again. Avenges the loss to Zverev last year in the semi-finals here. It is his 16th title on grass, his ninth in Halle, and the 92nd title of his amazing career. So one week on from Rafa Nadal winning an 11th French Open title, it is all change as we count down to Wimbledon. A new colour palette for an entirely different surface and arguably a whole host of new contenders on the green, green grass. In this case of West London. Here we are at the famous Queen's Club on the eve of the Fever Tree Championships. One of two ATP 500s to be played on grass this week. The other, the Jerry Weber Open in Halle. I'm Seb Lozier and over the next half an hour or so, I'll be joined by the tournament director here, Stephen Farrow. And we'll also hear from Roger Federer, Sasha Zverev and a whole host of other top names, including that man, Andy Murray. Stephen, it's great to be back here. Um, we'll hear from Andy very shortly, but first, just having his name on the draw card um, must have sent an extra sort of frisson of excitement through the club and the event yesterday. No, absolutely. It's going to be brilliant to see Andy back here. I mean, obviously, everyone knows what he's what he's been through. Um, obviously, not playing since Wimbledon last year, and um, we were always confident he would make it here. Um, you know, we always had positive vibes from the camp throughout. Uh, having said that, um, it was still uh, I, I was still pretty relieved, I have to say, when we were told uh, told yesterday that he was going to take his place in the draw. And you know, we all know how special he is for this event. He's our record champion. He's a he's a sporting icon uh, in 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 this country. And the reception that he'll get will be something really special on Tuesday. I mean, people love that guy and people know what he's been through. And to see him back out on our court playing tennis again is going to be something that's really special. Yeah, cherry on the top, really, of the cake for, for you as tournament director. But also, you're welcoming so many fans and British tennis fans as well over the next week. And they'll be delighted, of course. Absolutely. But, but you know, uh, I mean, whilst it's brilliant to have Andy back, I mean, Carl Edmund's progress the past six months has been absolutely extraordinary. I mean, Carl is someone who... I've actually known for quite a long time working for the LTA. So I remember him when he was 15, 16 years old. um, And um, he was always someone who was spoken about with real excitement. Um, and um, and but but having said that, to sort of see how he's come on uh, since uh, obviously getting to the Australian Open semi-finals, firmly inside the top twenty, 
um, and comes here um, in in great form. Uh, did well in Roland Garros. Um, on the grass, he's you know he's he's it's not been his best surface so far in his career, but you know he's been with us practicing on site since last Tuesday, uh, and um, he's feeling confident. Uh, he's obviously already beaten some top players this year. Uh, our draw is so strong; he's going to have to go and do that again to, to make to make progress here. But it's going to be great to see him coming on court as well on on uh, on Tuesday, probably as our as as British number one now. Yeah, and he could play Andy, of course, in the second round, which could be a, a really great match. Uh, I, I mentioned we'd hear from Mr. Murray. Here he is talking with Catherine Whitaker about that late decision to play. We kind of decided with my team that the day beforehand um, but just wanted to see how I felt the next morning when I woke up so I played like practice sets like back-to-back days um, and just kind of wanted to be sure that I didn't wake up the next morning and feel bad basically and um, and then I had another practice scheduled um, just after the draw so got checked over by my, my team in the morning and you know was was feeling pretty good um, and that was it. Five-time champion here, the scene of your first ever tour-level victory. How significant is it for you that it it should be on this grass that you make your comeback? Yeah, also, I mean, it's obviously nice. I, you know, I was hoping that I was going to be able to play a bit bit sooner. Um, I was planning on playing in Holland last week, but it just came a little bit too soon. You know, but obviously nice for me to to play my first match back in you know eleven months here. Obviously, you know, love it here. Great memories, obviously from you know, winning the tournament and right back to when I was 18 um, as well. Seems like a long time ago, but yeah, nice, nice to be back here. You mentioned you've been in contact with them a little bit. Is it literally just swapping texts all, all the way up to that decision? How does it work? No, I mean, it actually pretty much is. It was what WhatsApp. But um, yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, Jamie Delgado and, and Matt Gentry, who manages Andy, I, I you know, get on with those guys very well. We've obviously worked together for, for, for many years with what Andy's uh, done for this tournament. So, yeah, we've been in, we've been in constant contact. And, uh, you know, look, he, uh, he he's obviously put so much into his rehab and his recovery. And uh, he, he's uh, no one is more desperate to play this tournament than Andy Murray. And you could see that. I mean, when he came on site and hit on Friday, uh, it, and again and again uh, yesterday I mean he loves being here he loves this place this is his most successful tournament uh, we're very proud he's our record champion and, and as I said before I mean him coming out will be quite an emotional moment I think for him and probably for, for British tennis fans everywhere and he'll get a fantastic reception and great for tennis to have him but not just him the likes of Novak and Stan Varinka also uh, uh, yeah I mean look, Novak's a really interesting one obviously he's not played this tournament for eight years um, and I've been tournament director for four, five years now, and uh, I've always been desperate for him to come here. I mean, you know, obviously he's he's won twelve Grand Slams. I mean, ph- phenomenal success that he's had over the years, um, and he's always someone I wanted to see back. And uh, you know, I've uh, bought a lot of coffees for his agent over the years, and I was absolutely delighted to get the call that he wanted to come here and take up that late late wild card. I mean, it's terrific for us to have Novak here. Um, but just as it's terrific for us, as you say, Seb, to have so many of these these great names. I mean, Stan Wawrinka, who's been back here again. He's been practicing here for several days now. Uh, obviously, he's had his own injury problems, but um, was looking good out on the practice court. Very excited to see him up on a uh, centre court um, on Monday. Uh, Marin Cilic, who got to our final here, got to the Wimbledon final um, here last year. He's really popular here. I mean, he's been playing this tournament since he was very young. I mean, the story that Chris Kermode always tells me about um, giving Marin a wild card and him knocking out Tim Henman in the first round, it's, it's a cl- classic story and always makes me laugh. But 
Uh, Marion's a great guy and, uh, you know, pleased to have him back. And then, of course, you've got, obviously, Nick Kyrgios, who taking um, taking part in that big match against Andy on Tuesday. Milos Reinic, Thomas Burdich, obviously with Feliciano Lopez, who won here last year um, in, in what was an incredible final back here as well. So we've got brilliant matches all over the draw. Uh, we've got some brilliant matches, second round matches as well. I mean, we could have Dimitrov Djokovic here in the second round. So there's an awful lot to look forward to. And you've got a new sponsor, which we've already mentioned, Fever Tree, which has paved the way, I must say, for a, a lovely new colour uh, scheme, Mediterranean blue, I think we'll call that. Yeah. Remind us what's gone on at the club since last year. Well, I mean, the big news is our new sponsor, Fever Tree. Um, so they make uh, premium tonic waters. Um, they are um, they're a fantastic partner for us. They're a premium brand. It's great to be partnered with uh, with, with with a brand that people people recognise that you know you can actually you can actually buy a bottle of Fever Tree tonic water and it and, and it sort of harks back for us to that sort of festival sort of party atmosphere that that this event had back in the stellar days. There's so, something that's quite sort of romantic that sort of resonates about it. And Fever Tree, they're a British company. They're a phenomenal British um, success story set up by two guys, Tim Warrillow and Charles Rolls in 2004. And um, and uh, they identified a gap in the market of premium tonic water and they attacked it and they've had incredible success. And it certainly has resulted in a different look and feel. We've got all the colours from their different tonic water bottles on our flags um, and uh, I think it looks really special. We're really proud of the way Centre Court looks. And, you know, to have a sort of marked change from the blue, which is obviously a big change from the red, and now it's probably a little bit more subtle, um, and I really like it. And we've had great feedback from the players, actually. The minute they walk in, uh, I've uh, been talking about tonic water to a lot of people this week. I've had this, uh, Fernando Velasco was very interested earlier as I was talking him through about Mediterranean, Mediterranean tonic and also elderflower and all sorts of things. He was very interested, so that was uh, that's something as well. And another new partner in Amazon Prime Video, who uh, for the first time are, are going to be broadcasting here in the UK, is that right, uh, all week, and paving the way for showing a whole lot more uh, tennis next year, of course. Yeah, and they've been... They've been uh, very exciting partners for us to have so far. I mean, you know, they um, they they want to do everything, um, and uh, which makes them exceptional partners for us. And we're really excited to be the first the first tournament. Obviously, they showed the next gen finals at the end of last year in this country, but you know, the first tournament really to be shown on that platform. Um, they're great guys to work with. They've got a lot of passion for for tennis. Um, they're very committed to try and take take tennis as well to a new audience and a younger audience as well and do some innovative things which we're obviously highly supportive of uh, it's something that all of us in the game should be and um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see what they do and we're very proud to be the first tournament on that platform definitely and the first major tournament with with Halo or 500 at least on grass it is a big change from the clay to the grass for the players. So let's hear from them now on exactly that. Paul King has been talking with a number of the leading stars, including that man, Roger Federer. The grass court season on the ATP World Tour may be relatively brief, but there's no denying it marks one of the most fascinating and spectacular periods of the year for tennis fans and one of the most challenging for players as they adapt from the months on the European clay. 
Roger Federer. Yeah, I think movement and footwork is uh, the biggest difference I see in terms of how you play on grass because you have to protect the middle in a different way than you do on the hard courts or on the clay courts. You know, you're caught more often than not in awkward positions, which we're not that used to. Dominic Team. Both on clay and on hard, you have a pretty good grip. You can turn around quickly and on grass it's not that case. I mean, if, if the opponent uh, puts you out wide one time, the point is basically over. So the, the main thing I think on grass is that you are in the, in the offense from the, from the very first shot. And maybe your first reaction is going forward rather than backwards, like on other surfaces. So it is worth it to come in and just see what happens with a bluff play and come to the net. And then of course you've got to back yourself when, you, when you're volleying. Alexander Zverev. The shots have to be maybe a bit flatter. Uh, a bit more precise, you know, than on clay. You have to give a lot of topspin, you have to try to push the player back. Wearing grass, it's a, it's a little bit different. Kane Nishikori. Uh, balls uh, much faster, faster and uh, bounce low. Um, so you gotta, you know, really stay down from the lead turn. And yeah, sometimes you have to come to the net a little more, you know, to, to play aggressive. I think um, the, the serve gets even more important than it is already. And also, Concentration-wise, you you are a little bit more focused because, like every point, is really important. And um, on clay, somehow, or on slower hard courts, you can always get a break back or something. And on grass, it's it's really difficult. The slice usually skids a bit, and when it skids, you have to be a little bit careful. Um, you know, not to be too passive on it or to be too aggressive on it. So you just always got to find the right balance. And if you hit a good slice, it can really keep you in play in a nice way. And you can keep the rally going and then, you know, switch. Sort of to have that transition game from defense to offense very, very quickly. It requires good hand-eye coordination, um, the understanding of which one is a short ball. Um, and maybe also to volley short sometimes, I guess, is a good play because uh, the ball doesn't bounce as high on grass. I think it depends on the game style. Of course, you can train the movement patterns, you know, the way you you, should, you you hit the ball. But I think you know someone like my brother is going to be always more natural on grass than on clay. Uh, someone like Roger as well. So um, I think it depends on game style a lot. I think because of uh, the short grass court season that we've seen over the years, it's been actually difficult to perfect the grass courts for many players. Whereas maybe now we'll see better grass court players as we move along because we do have a week more to actually improve your footwork, your mindset. And I think it's actually only positive for the players that we have more grass court uh, uh, play. And I think we're going to see yeah, uh, quite an interesting change in like the next five years or so. Stephen Rogers suggesting there that there might be more grass court tennis in, in the years to come um, would that be good for tennis? Well it'd be good for grass court tennis if there were more grass court tennis tournaments I mean I, you know I, I, um, I, I certainly don't know of any, of any plans to, uh, to introduce any more tournaments to the calendar I mean I think realistically we've got three weeks between Roland Garros and Wimbledon um, we'd obviously need an extra week wouldn't we and I know a lot of people talk about wouldn't it be great or shouldn't we have a Masters tournament on grass I think to do that we'd need another week in the calendar um, because at the moment to be honest there's We've got fantastic tournaments. I mean, Halle is a fantastic tournament in its own right. Um, we very happily share the top players in the world with them because there's a lot of top players to go around. Um, and um, you know, there's two fantastic tournaments in our week already. Um, so, um, so certainly there'd be no there'd be no call, I think, from us or Halle to to look for a Masters tournament status unless there was an extra week in the calendar. Uh, but um, but you know why why not? 
because compared to a, f- a few years back, of course, there is an extra week, isn't there? How, how much of a difference has that week with the 250s in Stuttgart and Sertogenbosch made for you? Huge, huge. And, and, and um, I suppose for us, there were two things that happened in 2015. I mean, for us and for Halle, um, we not only had the extra week, but we also became 500s. And so I suppose like one of the, one of the, um, one of the things that's probably a little difficult to, uh, to identify is what came as a result of the upgrading status or what came as a result of the extra week. But one thing is certain that from, um, from 2015, when we had the extra week and we became a 500, uh, both Queens and Haller have seen significantly stronger player fields. We always have had the best players in the world, some of the best players in the world playing this event. I mean, you know, McEnroe's won it four times, Becker's won it, Laver's won it, you know, all these great players throughout, throughout history. But um, whilst we'd always used to get three or four top ten players, um, what the uh, what, what we've had since 2015 is that you've had nearly all the top 30 playing. So we've gone from probably having 12 top 30 players to having 15, 16, 17, 18 top 30 players. Um, and so that that's been a noticeable difference. Um, I think what you've also seen is that you've you've you have seen a real benefit from the tournaments a week before us. You've seen players come here absolutely ready to play on grass they've already got a week or for some even two weeks having played at Surbiton in the second week of Roland Garros two weeks of uh, of a grass court um, under their belts before they come here and if you look at last year you saw um, uh, Feliciano Lopez who'd done so well in Stuttgart the week before came here and won the title Marin Cilic had done really well in her Toggenbosch came here and got to the final Jordan Thompson who got to the final in Surbiton came here and knocked Andy Murray out and um, and you know we, we've really seen that people take their form onto the onto the grass court throughout throughout the season and all those players well certainly Marin anyway Marin then went on to have such a fantastic fantastic Wimbledon um, and look, you know the other the other thing as well that we've seen is is um, is a real um, is for the very top players, those players who've had that extra week rest, um, like Andy, for example. Our first two years as an ATP 500, and with that extra week, he he had a, managed he had a week's rest after a grueling Roland Garros where he got to the um, got to the semi-finals, and then he could rest for a week and then come here and uh, be bang on form for his title. So there's two sort of different. Different scenarios there. One where players have had all that that grass court practice and taken their form on. One for the very top players where they've been able to have a rest before they've come here. And in both scenarios, it's really benefited the uh, tennis that we've seen here at Queen's. Well, rest certainly benefiting Roger Federer this week. He's had 11 weeks off, hasn't he? And he's he's won in Stuttgart. He's going for a 10th title in Halle at the Jerry Weber Open. And Chris Bowers has been talking with the tournament director there, Ralph Weber. When we started '93, thing was very excited first to make all the investments uh, possible to take care of the grass, to build the infrastructure with the stadium. Then, of course, was a big step in '94 to build the roof and uh, the hotel here on site. And I think then, really, every year we improved uh, the infrastructure, the site, and things. So that's maybe the. So, um, yeah, our success that we always tried to improve uh, our tournament. Looking back, how big a gamble was it to have a grass court tournament of this magnitude in Germany? Okay, maybe let's say, okay, it was uh, a bit of a gamble, but on the other side, we know that uh, the the people went uh, crazy for tennis, having with uh, Michael Stich, Boris Becker and Steffi Graf, three Wimbledon champs, and so... We knew that the, the excitement for uh, grass court tennis is, is, is here in Germany and so I think that was uh, the main um, thing to, to make this happen here. 
when you look back at the history of the tournament, Roger Federer is obviously the big name here. How much has the tournament been almost dependent on Roger? Of course, he is a big star here in Halle, and the fans love him, of course. He has really sh huge uh, fans here coming around the world. And of course, it's always uh, difficult or also risky to be dependent from one player. So for us, it's important that we don't only have Roger Federer, that we have uh, other top 10 players like Dominic Thiem, Kei Nishikori, and now Sascha Zverev as a new German top 10 player in the new phase, hopefully. And we have the, the German Davis Cup players and some other young faces uh, like Kachanov, Rublev. And I think it's uh, very uh, important that you have the right mixture of players here in Halle. The 500 status, how much of a difference has it meant to the tournament to be a 500 as opposed to a 250? I think that was really a big step in another dimension. And now we realize that the tournament is much more international. And also the, the players uh, from the ranking here, the, the cutoff was 60. And we never had uh, such a, a great uh, participation participants uh, field here and uh, also we see that uh, yeah, the winner takes 500 points uh, that's a lot uh, for the ATP ranking and the prize money is up to roughly uh, 2 million euros and of course we see that uh, we make a, a big uh, break in the international television rights that means that the distribution will be uh, spread to 140 countries and that's really a, a big step. Finally, looking back over the tournaments that you've had here, what are the memories that stand out for you? What are the events that perhaps uh, that you'll be telling your grandchildren about? I think, of course, uh, the, the first uh, very nice or special memories, of course, was uh, when Boris Becker entered in the tournament because for us Germans he is really something special and he started to play in 97, but also the first... Uh, German winner was Michael Stich. I think that yeah, also was very special. But also having the big stars here, Andrew Agassi, Michael Chang, Peter Korda in the first year. So that's, that's, that are special moments. Uh, and of course, then Roger Federer is here in Halle. So I think that are really special moments. Ralph Weber talking with Chris Bowers. Interesting to hear him talking about the constant sort of improvements that they've looked to make include you know infrastructure um the importance of building the roof um for them and it it made me wonder is a, looking out on the center court here with these wonderful um temporary stands that go up is the roof an option here the advantage that ralph has of course is he has a permanent he has a permanent uh, stadium over there in 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 halle um, I am sure it is technologically possible to build a temporary roof. I imagine it would take a huge amount of time and money in, it in order to be able to deliver it. It would be fantastic if we could. I'm sure one day it will be possible. But um, permanent it's, roof? It's, it's is uh, it an option? Uh, no, a permanent stadium. I mean, look, we transform this club. If you were here six weeks ago, um, there would be nothing here but tennis courts. Um, this is a. This is one of the things that's so special about this tournament is that this is a. It's, this is a. This is a, a members club. Um, it's a very special, very exclusive um, club, um, and um, you know the facilities are used here by members all year round. They've got some fantastic clay courts here. Where actually a lot of our top British players will play during, to practice for the clay court season. Uh, they've got um, all different kinds of surfaces, as well as real tennis and squash and everything else. And that club feel and that club atmosphere is one of the things that's so special about this tournament. 
Um, so the idea of, uh, of building a permanent stadium uh, is not something that I think we would particularly want to do. And I'm absolutely convinced the Queen's Club wouldn't want us to do it. Uh, I mean, we really do transform this place and every available space within that clubhouse has got something in it from the squash courts, which are converted into the media centre, to the rackets courts, which are our operations offices. The only things we actually leave pretty much are four indoor tennis courts and two real tennis courts. Um, so, um, so no, I, I, I don't think a permanent stadium is a possibility, although it would make our life easier, I have to say. Well, touch wood, the weather forecast is looking all right this week, isn't it? It was interesting as well to hear Ralph talk about the... The German stars that really helped that event to grow. You know, he's talking about the likes of Boris Becker and Michael Stich and Steffi Graf down the down the years. How important for the growth of this tournament has Andy been, and also Tim before him, and and the other Brits that Huge. obviously preceded Tim? Huge. I mean, I think we've been really lucky. I mean, uh, you know. As I said before, this has always been a big tennis event. It's always been a title that the top players have wanted to win. We've always had the top players coming to play here. But there is something incredibly special about having a top player, top British player who can compete for a title in a British tennis tournament. Um, and we've been so fortunate. I mean, when I, when, I was, when I was growing up, the idea that you would have a player who would, uh, a British player competing in the final of Queens, semi-finals, final of Queens and Wimbledon, um, it w- was just something that was pretty much unheard of. And we've been so lucky here with Tim and then Andy surpassing Tim's achievements and Tim was so, such a hero here. Um, and now we have Carl Edmund coming through as well so we're, we're very fortunate Cameron Norrie as well who'll be out here on centre court playing Stanford Vrinka tomorrow interesting to see how he does on grass he's not played that much grass court tennis in his career but it is very important because what Andy has done um, in this period of, uh, of fantastic tennis players it's been such a golden era for men's tennis and for us in this country to have had Andy has really increased the interest in tennis um, and it's really increased the interest in coming to this event. And that's why, you know, where we're, we're sat now looking out on our expanded North Stand, which debuted last year, we added 2,300 seats. And the reason we're able to do that is because people are desperate to come and watch Andy Murray and others play. But certainly Andy has made a huge difference. And when you look at things like our things like our television audience, things like the media coverage, I mean, having a home uh, home player who is a superstar is a huge boon for us. That's for sure. And there is a Brit defending a title here this year, of course. Not in the singles, but in the doubles. Jamie Murray with his partner, Bruno Suarez. Popular champions last year. Um, But the two years before that, the title here was won by the same French pair that created their own little moment of history at Roland Garros. A piece of French sporting history was made on court Philippe Chatrier as Pierre Hugobert and Nicolas Mahou became the third all-French team in the Open Era to win the doubles title at Roland Garros. They defeated Oliver Marak and Matty Pavic, 6-2, 7-6, to delight the home crowd. We're feeling good, we're feeling great. Uh, we, we, yeah, we just uh, won on home soil, uh, Roland Garros. Uh, a tournament we saw on TV when, when we were younger, we dreamed of uh, winning, so um, it's, uh, it's amazing to, um, to yeah, to, to win this tournament and to share these emotions with Nicolas and, uh, and yeah, we're enjoying it a lot. Well, uh, the tiebreak was tough when we were leading a set and a break, then the, they came back and you never know if uh, the tiebreak is uh, kind of contours, uh, you lose the set and uh, uh, you can start thinking about uh, that you were leading a set and break close to win. But hopefully we, uh, we played a great tiebreaker and finished the match in two sets. 
And after the win, a special someone joined the pair on court. Well, he wasn't going to miss this famous moment. My son. Uh, well, I'm really happy to win this one because when we lose, uh, I can cry for hours. So uh, I'm really happy about this one. Would have been very difficult to come back home with the with the little trophy. So I can bring the, the trophy. He uh, was with us in the locker room. So um, as a dad, this is something really special. I think every single Grand Slam was quite special. Um, the first one in the, at the US Open was a, an amazing feeling. Uh, the one at Wimbledon to win a tournament that is like legendary tournament is amazing. And, and to be able to win on home soil, finish with uh, La Marseillaise uh, is amazing. And share these emotions with the family, with friends, with, uh, with the staff, it's, um, it's just amazing. Of course, winning here in front of uh, family and friends um, it's really special as well. And Herbert and Mahou start their campaign here against Nick Kyrgios and Leighton Hewitt. I mean, who would have who would have thought it? That's definitely one to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's brilliant. I mean, we we behind the scenes, we absolutely love Pierre Hugues and Nico. They are. I mean, Nico's been coming here forever and ever and ever, and they are great guys. They're they're lots of fun at, um, to have around the place and. I mean, it was so sad last year because obviously they'd won the title two years in a row and then Pierre got, was hurt in the first round and had to retire. And I went to see, I went up to the locker room to, to see how they were and he was, I mean, he was very upset. It was so sad. I mean, this tournament is really special for, for those two guys and they're very, very popular. But then, of course, Leighton and Nick playing together is just irresistible. And uh, obviously when I was contacted uh, to, to, by Leighton to um, ask for, for the wild card to play with Nick and... I mean, as a tournament director, you you just you can't help but be excited about that. Just a massive smile on my face. As a tennis fan, I am desperate to see that match. I think it will be brilliant. And so, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And as you say, like obviously, Bruno and Jamie did so well last year. I mean, Jamie, um, I wouldn't say he's, he's overlooked, but Jamie Murray is a is a is a is a really big deal in British tennis, and he's really popular here. Um, he's a really good guy. They were very popular champions last year. And, and Jamie, who's been trying to win this title for years and years and years, he'd obviously lost in the final a few years before that, playing with John Pierce, um, actually against Bruno when he was playing with Alex Payer. So it was, it was brilliant to see them win last year. It'd be brilliant to see them back out here again. Well, the doubles draw, um, it's worth a ticket just by itself, isn't yeah, it? You've, you've got it the doubles players you've talked about, you've Kyrgios and Hewitt, Jack Sock playing with Mike Bryan, Kevin Anderson with Julian Beneteau, Birdich and Vadasco, you've got Novak playing with Stan, you've got Grigor Dimitrov yeah. playing with Ryan Harrison. It's incredible. Um, Kyle Edmund playing with Neil Skupski, another Brit. It's an incredible doubles draw. It is, it is. And obviously we've got um, Birdich and Vadasco against Djokovic and Vavrinka as well, which... Yeah, I mean, we always get the top players wanting to play doubles here um, because it's uh, it, you know it's good for them to get their iron on the grass and all the rest of it. So we are used to having these uh, these fantastic doubles partnerships. It does make scheduling a bit challenging, I'll be honest, uh, and because uh, you know you don't want guys to be playing twice in the same day. Um, ideally, the singles guys want to play their doubles matches first, and you get into all these sorts of debates. But for our crowd and the fans who are coming here to watch this week, I mean, out on court one, leave centre court aside, out on court one tomorrow, we've got Dimitrov and Edmund playing in that doubles match. 
Um, you know, we've got we've also got Feli Lopez playing doubles uh, tomorrow. I mean, hopefully we'll get that on centre court. Might not manage to do that, um, but. Yeah, we're going to have fantastic players playing around the grounds here in, in our double straw as well as out in centre court. So it's it's pretty special. It's it's a great addition for the crowd. And just finally, Stephen, as tournament director, are you allowed to make predictions in the doubles and the singles draws? Probably not. I'll also I'd also jinx it. Whatever <laughs> I said, I'd jinx it. Um, one thing one thing I would say though is that you know you always look for the guys who are going to do well here. I always look at the guys who've um, have first of all have had plenty of practice. And second of all, guys who've done well in the tournaments the week before, to go back to what I said before. And, and, you know, you look at how Nick's done this week in Stuttgart, um, how Feli's done this week as well, um, and how Milos Reinic has done. And you think, well, you know, the chances are they'll probably be taking that form on. Um, so, um, so I would probably look to those guys as people who may progress and do pretty well. And then the guys who've been here a while, so, you know, Carl has Carl has got plenty of practice in. Andy's had plenty of practice. So, um, so, so let's see what what the week ahead brings. But uh, we've got some fantastic matches here, and tomorrow is going to be a, a big start for us. And bring it on! I can't wait. Those are the thoughts of Stephen Farrow, tournament director here at Queen. Stephen, many thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck with the tournament. Thank you. And if you're listening to this, remember, if you're in the UK, you can watch the tournament on Amazon Prime Video. As usual, you can also watch all the matches wherever you are on Tennis TV. And we'll have live commentary of both finals on Sunday here at Queen's and from Halle. Remember to tweet us your thoughts throughout the week at ATP Tennis Radio. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Otherwise, enjoy the tennis and join us next time. 